At Total Wine & More, find the best gifts for everyone on your list, whether it's a Cabernet for sis or a single-barrel bourbon that dad will love. With the lowest prices for over 30 years, you'll always find what you love and love what you find. Only at Total Wine & More. Spirits not sold in Virginia and North Carolina. Drink responsibly. Be 21. Where can you find the best gifts at great low prices that everyone will love? At Total Wine & More, of course, with so many great bottles to choose from. Find something for everyone on your list, whether it's a Cabernet for your sis, sparkling wine for a coworker, or a single barrel bourbon for dad. And if you need any help, just ask one of their friendly guides for advice. With the lowest prices for over 30 years, you'll always find what you love and love what you find. Only at Total Wine & More. Spirits not sold in Virginia and North Carolina. Drink responsibly, B21. Hi, I'm Kristen McGlory, lifelong genius hunter. For a decade, I've been unearthing the recipes that have changed the way we cook. Now, on the Genius Recipe Tapes, we go behind the scenes with the geniuses themselves. This week, I wanted to hear some good holiday stories and gather up some last-minute tips and inspiration for some of those things that I tend to remember only at the very last minute. The table, the drinks, and what to do with all that turkey. So I sat down, almost like at a Thanksgiving table, except over Zoom with three of our talented residents at Food 52. Nicole Crowder, our resident design whiz, John DeBerry, our resident at Drinks 52, and Hannah Osbrink, our resident dinner wrangler. As you'll hear in the episode, thanks to their tips, you can conjure sweet table decorations and cocktails and ways to perk up your leftovers with things that you probably already have at home. But also, maybe more importantly, through it all, there is the reminder that our best holiday memories often are the ones that aren't picture perfect. Here's our conversation. Thank you all for joining this Thanksgiving roundtable party this year. It's so festive. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks for having me. Really happy to be here. <laughs> I would love to start off by hearing from all of you what you are most looking forward to at this year's Thanksgiving. I'm looking forward to seeing my mom have the Thanksgiving table that she's been wanting for years with her family around, being able to just entertain. She loves to cook. It just feels so good. It's been great energy. And um, this holiday is going to be super special for many reasons. It's possible that I might be cooking, but also possible that might also be another pandemic era Thanksgiving style uh, for us, which I think last year we got like takeout actually. And, and it was really, <laughs> it was really nice <laughs> not to have to do anything. Um, um, so yeah, it's, it's definitely, we, ha we don't have any, any certain plans yet, but I think it's more about the meaning of the day rather than sort of the, the, the planning or the individual food that you're having, you know, so whatever, whatever happens, I think will be, will be special. I just don't, <laughs> I don't actually don't know what it's going to be yet. We have actually been into getting, um, turkey, leg quarters so just like the dark meat and confing them instead of getting like the whole bird um it's like a good manageable size for the three of us with not too many leftovers and still get the juicy dark meat so mm -hmm. i'm excited to recreate that and i mean frankly the sides are where it's at so my favorite's the, the stuffing so i'm looking forward to making a you know full size full size of that <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah I make the same, um, you know, cornbread, very traditional cornbread sausage uh, dressing every year. It's a twist on a Martha Stewart classic. 
And um, I can literally just eat it for days, like directly from the pan. Um, and without mm. that, it's like, why even bother? <laughs> <laughs> How about you? I go hard on mashed potatoes. Ooh. Really hard. Yeah. Ooh. That is the number one thing that my partner has requested for Thanksgiving. He loves mashed potatoes and gravy. Yeah. That's his thing. I, I feel it. For me, I, oof, it's tricky. Like I'm a mac and cheese girl. Mm-hmm. I haven't get so many different ways. Um, you know, five cheeses. I love a Gouda. My aunt who is um, from the Bahamas, she adds some like uh, bell peppers to hers Ooh. and some different spices. So it's just, I like to get the edge. Mm-hmm. Or a corner square if you're lucky. Corner square. <laughs> <laughs> I, I feel like for me, it's not um, n- nothing is complete if there's no cranberry sauce, um, especially <laughs> if there is the style of cranberry sauce that is the one that comes out of the can with the shape and no chunks. I've found kind of a surrogate if I want to make a homemade recipe of cranberry yeah. sauce. Um, it, I, I wrote about it in Genius Recipes years ago, and it's I was shocked to realize how um, how simple it is to get that texture and that there's no extra anything in it, no gelling agents of any kind. It's just literally cranberries and sugar and the pectin and the cranberries is what makes that texture. And so the the one that I've made is from Canal House and it's got a little bit of port and some juniper berries. Um, and mm. then otherwise, I think it's just the cranberries and the sugar. But you basically just like Bring it up to a boil, smush it through um, a sieve as soon as it's mm. soft, and it sets up just like the can. Amazing. All right. Well, I might have to maybe step outside my can for a second. <laughs> <laughs> the other important part about the can is, like, how do you serve it? How do you present, present it? it? Do you, how, how do you like to do it, Nicole? I, as soon as, like, because that's, like, truly my, my job. <laughs> <laughs> getting it to like mm-hmm. put the, that slosh out of the can and then I'll just turn it to the side and, and slice it just like that. That is, that mm-hmm. is it straight out of the can sliced. Cause I'm, I'm really the only one, maybe my brother will eat cranberry sauce, but no one else in my family really does. So I get to kind of have my mm-hmm. way with it when it comes to the slicing, but usually it's just, you know, some sort of medium sized circles and straight up like that. And I'll, I'll put it on a separate plate from the rest of my food. <laughs> Oh, really? Well, just like it gets its own moment over here. <laughs> wow. That's so special. <laughs> um, John or Hannah, do you have strong feelings about cranberry sauce? I don't mind the jelly, the can. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually, I don't, I don't tend to uh, pick up the can because that's, it's just something that I usually make ahead of time. It's like pretty simple enough. Um, I do love cranberry sauce though but I keep it very simple it's just the uh bag of cranberries a couple um slivers of orange peel uh maybe a cinnamon stick and like a dash of cardamom or black pepper and and that's it and then mm-hmm. you know as you say it doesn't take much I like it kind of on the chunkier side so I'm not even you know it's not even on the stovetop for very long um but we'll ha- inevitably have leftovers so um We'll just enjoy it on toast <laughs> in, the, in the days following. Yeah. Or on like oatmeal or something like that. I love that. I never thought to use it for something else. I just like portioned it out sparingly with every Thanksgiving leftover plate. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. that too. But <laughs> yeah, we usually have like a half a mason jar left. Ooh, nice. So yeah, put it on your oats the next day. <laughs> I guess that is the, the really good thing about making your own too, is you can make as much as you want. Yeah. 
And how about you, John? My, you know, original version of cranberry sauce was similar to Hannah's where it's on the stovetop. It's really chunky and you kind of have the skins and everything. And it's sort of like you can still have like the discrete individual berries. When my Thanksgiving shifted over to my in-law's house, I encountered this like baffling but delicious variation of cranberry sauce that I've never seen anywhere else. And mm. I don't know where my mother-in-law got this recipe from. It's possible it was like just a clipping from some random magazine or like a, any, yeah, I don't know. But basically, actually now that I'm thinking more about it, it might have been her mother's recipe. And um, it's it's almost like a fruit salad. It's like almost raw where it's like chopped cranberries with like orange pieces of orange fruit not peel and it's very like mm -hmm. chunky it's cool there's apple like diced apple in it and the the funny it's really good yeah it's like a relish it's really it's really delicious and very like fresh and bright and like tons of acidity and it, it isn't sweet like like most are but the funny thing about it is that it's the recipe is written um i guess poorly because it's supposed to set up like a sort of a like a bunt cake you know it's supposed to have like a jello mold kind of vibe and it never, ever, ever does. And it's always just this like fruit salad, essentially, in a bowl on the table. But it's it's always just like, oh, is it going to actually do the thing that the recipe says it's going to do? Like tension, like every year. And one time, like my husband and I tried to like do it ourselves because we're like, oh, maybe, maybe she's just like kind of doing it wrong. And we're, you know, maybe we'll figure it out. Um, and we have the exact same result. But that's actually one of the, my favorite things to have at Thanksgiving Um uh, at my in-laws because it's so unique and, and I'm not a huge like meat person so it's nice to have like you know like the veg and the brightness and that kind of feeling of a little bit of health happening at the table. <laughs> that sounds so good and fresh. Yeah. I wonder if it's regional to her area or as you say maybe it's just from an, a clipping. <laughs> yeah I, I was chatting with my husband last night about it and I'm like is it a central Pennsylvania thing and he's like no I don't think so I think it's just something random that that, that they found so I love that that has become its own tradition too, that like it's a, it's a beloved part of the meal and part of it is in like, tr like basically a failure every year too. Like every year you think it's going to do one thing and it doesn't and you love it anyway and you like would never consider axing it, I'm guessing. Yeah. It's like a folly that you just love. <laughs> it's like a, a, a safe little drama exactly. every year yeah. that everyone can root for and then like commiserate. <laughs> I love that that attitude and that reminder too that I mean I, maybe to some degree a lot of us are feeling it that like worrying about something like you know when the turkey's going to be done or whether we can find a turkey or maybe some of those concerns just really you know we're just so happy to be able to do something um yeah it resemble. feels so trivial <laughs> yeah. No, yeah yeah I remember like so many petty things that like my family would be so concerned about and like doing the yeah and the timing and like everyone had to be at the table at a certain time and like oh no like one thing isn't quite right and you know it would be this like point of drama and you know it it, it ha I definitely have fond memories of my thanksgivings but it's also nice not to have to like be so tied to um you know like a vision of the way things should be and really I feel like it's a now I feel like it's a very collaborative and forgiving holiday I feel like over the last year and a half I I'm just like whatever <laughs> you know like if, if you know just roll with it if we don't get a bird that's okay we'll get mm -hmm. chicken or steak or, you know what I mean I'm just so um it's totally fine like um it's not a big deal like yes it, it is about the turkey but um I've I've just come to terms with like things just not being in my control anymore um so as long as I'm with 
you know, the people I want to be around. Um, I'm good. There's a, a looseness to it that feels good going into this holiday. It's like, maybe that's why I'm even more excited. There are no expectations. There is no sense of pressure. It's all just love and fun and, you know, and ease. I love that. I wonder if next year we'll all go back to our like type A uh, <laughs> and be like, dinner's at 4.30 sharp. Yeah. I mean, there is, there is something to be said about the, um, you know, the tradition and the like pomp and circumstance. I do like, a, you know, dressing up for a formal dinner around the holidays. That is something that I, you know, I haven't put on like, like a proper dress in a very long time, but um, I feel like this is not the year. <laughs> we can be a little, we can still be relaxed one more year. Did anyone do like place card, like name cards, like where people should sit? No, but I love a name card. I love yeah. a place card. I love a place card and I have an idea that I'm, I used in the past that I'm going to use this year. And it's like um, taking these, basically like a jewelry box and you can, I, I'll sometimes like wrap them in different fabrics because I just have tons of fabric remnants. But this year I'm just putting some bows on them. Um, and then you have, you know, write each person's name and put it on their spot. But then inside the box, there's like a little tea candle. And so towards the end of the dinner, we can all take the candles, place them around the table, light them just mm. to create more of an intimate kind of setting. Um, well, Nicole, that's a really great segue actually into just the, the, the tippier portion of our round table, which is, um, you know, we can start with with your area of of home decor and table. Do you have any tips for um, for people that they could still pull off? Because this this will be airing probably like a little earlier the week of Thanksgiving. So things that people can do um, to to brighten up their table or home before you know whatever their Thanksgiving is, whether it's small, whether it's big. Absolutely. There's so many small or even kind of close to last minute things you can do just with stuff you have around your home. I love, um, like I have a bunch of just random vases and glasses and stuff. And so if you have some of those around your home, or if you want to get them from Goodwill, you know, three cents, five, 50 cents, a dollar for a lot of these things. There's a woman in Australia, she's a, a blogger, and she did this really cool DIY, which is she calls it um, trash to terracotta. And basically, you can create your own like terracotta mixture by mixing some baking powder, water and then whatever paint color of your choice and then you just mix it together and you paint just the the glass vase an old cup that you have let that dry and it just creates this beautiful handmade whole new piece for you to fill with dried flowers or real flowers or um, any other things you want to honestly and just set those on your table they could be makeshift candle holders if you wanted to any kind of color you can think of it's super easy to do it's also very family friendly. So do it with your nieces, your children. I think for table coverings for like the base, I like to, again, working in textiles and fabric, I love to, um, that, that's kind of the base, right? For the table. And so I'll do a one tablecloth, let's say in an orange or uh, yellow print. And then I'll do a contrasting table runner in maybe a similar print or um, graphic print or a geometric print, but a different color that kind of contrasts just to give it a little extra pop. And then you'll see how the rest of your dishes or your plates and flatware just kind of pop against that. You can mix and match your place uh, mats if you want to. They don't all have to be the same. Maybe if you want to go with a theme, doing fall colors, have one in red, orange, yellow, something in a brown. Um, I think, oh, and also just 
again, going with mixing stuff, I like to mix my glassware just to keep things kind of fun. Glassware really can make a table, just that extra glint and shimmer of that um, can, can elevate it a little bit more, bring some, some little sparkle and joy. Um, and then another thing that my mom and I do is we'll take our wreath if we just bought a you know, couple of wreaths and we'll make those the centerpieces for the table. And just, you, can, you know, you can put pomegranates in there, eucalyptus, oranges, any sort of um, fall fruits. Uh, if you wanna make your own wreaths, I sometimes will just go to Home Depot, get a, a basic green one and then add to that. Maybe string some lights around there. Anything I have just around the house because um, I, I love to repurpose stuff and whatever you can reuse um, with a little bit of imagination saves you money, saves you time, saves you stress from having to, you know, figure out, can I get to the store? Will this arrive on time? Um, it's just right at home. And it's just an extra personal detail for you to mm -hmm. kind of comment on while your guests are sitting around the table as well and say, I made that, you know, I, I did them vases just so you know. <laughs> I love that DIY vase idea. It's so fun. I have to give it up to, I forget her last name, but her first name is Genevieve and she's, and she's so fantastic at DIY stuff. I love the mix and matching too, because that fits in so well with like, especially if you're maybe having more people than you normally would feed, ask them to bring something. If you're short on it, ask them to bring folding chairs, ask them to bring glassware or whatever. And it just kind of like, I like the idea that 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 hodgepodge becomes the table and the whole experience. Absolutely. Yes. Do you also like to like ever gather things from outside and make those part of what's going on decorating in your home or on your table? Yeah. My parents um, live in a really beautiful area that has tons of trees. And so sometimes we'll gather some leaves. Um, my niece and I, this was earlier, I think it was maybe it was last month, but we spray painted some leaves and, you know, with some gold and um, just kind of placed those on little cards and stuff. My mom, she used a few of them to dress her mantle. Um, I'm, she, she might use some of them around the table. I'm not sure. But using some of the twigs and sticks from outside as well, those you can maybe um, gather or display, wrap some twine around or wrap them with twine and you know use those as extra displays on your table. Or even if you want to um, elevate the table, the plate setting a bit more, you can put a little leaf, wrap that in some twine and put that on top of someone's table or um, excuse me, their plate, just as like a little extra detail before they're sitting down. That is such a perfect job for kids too, to, to tuck those leaves into the, the napkins or wherever you want to have them. I love bringing the outside in. Absolutely. All those colors, the natural colors of the earth are super fitting for, you know, a Thanksgiving tablescape. Mm. Ooh, there's so many things I'm looking forward to this year. Hey, it's Kristen. If you're enjoying this chat with Nicole, Hannah, and John as much as I did, head over to the Genius Recipe Tapes and hit follow so you don't miss out on other stories like this one. And while you're at it, maybe download our recent episode with Cheryl Day, author of the new cookbook, Cheryl Day's Treasury of Southern Baking. It is so full of pie pep talks and ideas and the story of how she discovered the missing ingredient in her mother's stuffing. In the second half of this episode... We will hear even more ways from Nicole, Hannah, and John that we can relax and really soak in the Thanksgiving that we have this year, whatever it may look like. Meet you back here for that. 
You reach for the top olive oils and invest in the best pans. But in the kitchen, how well do you care for your greatest tool, your hands? When mine take a beating cooking and cleaning, which is often, I use Bag Bomb to work its wonders on my poor, distressed skin. Created 125 years ago on a Vermont dairy farm, their soaps smell great and clean hands without stripping moisture, and their fast-absorbing lotion means I can quickly get back to cooking. Treat your hardworking hands to Bag Bomb, every chef's best friend. Use code FOOD52 for 20% off your order on bagbomb.com. Good through 2024. You reach for the top olive oils and invest in the best pans. But in the kitchen, how well do you care for your greatest tool, your hands? When mine take a beating cooking and cleaning, which is often, I use Bag Bomb to work its wonders on my poor, distressed skin. Created 125 years ago on a Vermont dairy farm, their soaps smell great and clean hands without stripping moisture, and their fast-absorbing lotion means I can quickly get back to cooking. Treat your hardworking hands to Bag Bomb, every chef's best friend. Use code FOOD52 for 20% off your order on bagbomb.com. Good through 2024. How do you, John, approach drinking at Thanksgiving? Well, in the past, like my my dad was a big wine guy, you know, all you know, very like thought out and lots of thinking about what pairs with what and like what's the right red and like yada yada. Uh, and then when it came time for us uh, to go to our in laws, we were, took the train from New York to Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, and we were still tasked with bringing drinks. And obviously, you don't want to bring like nine bottles of like glass <laughs> on like the Amtrak <laughs> in Penn Station on like the night before Thanksgiving. So we uh, we, we pivoted to box wine, uh, which was a lifesaver for Thanksgiving because, you know, as a drinks person, I'll probably get a lot of heat from like my wine friends. It's sort of more about what you have rather than what you think you should have. So um, there's really solid box wines these days and you can put, keep them in the fridge. They don't go bad. Have a nice decanter your table so no one has to know you know if you don't want them to know that it's box wine so you can have that like really nice experience and you're uh it's super portable and um you don't have to worry about a cork corked wine or anything being not quite right because they're very like easy to consume and then this year i actually got to write a piece for fuji that was like an hour by hour like playbook for drinking on thanksgiving and that's I, by far the most thinking I've ever done about drinks <laughs> on Thanksgiving or really about anything for, for a while. And for something like Thanksgiving that, that could potentially be like a 12 hour holiday for some people is, is to like really pace yourself uh, and be really thoughtful and plan ahead. Uh, so the, the guide that I wrote was like an alternating playbook between like start with a champagne and then go to like a non-alcoholic drink and then go back and forth between like alcohol and non-alcohol so not only can you give like an accessible choice to all your guests no matter what you know they're 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 drinking it really offers you an opportunity to to sort of like slow down and pace yourself and and have a lot of options um planning ahead not being too fussy um sandbagging drinks uh so that you're not um you know there's so much action happening in the kitchen and most people don't have like a separate area to create drinks so it's not a kitchen in their house so you don't want to make it too congested especially when people are doing dishes and clearing and getting seconds and whatever so it's really about like what is the most efficient way of getting a drink uh to your to yourself and to your loved ones um yeah without without too much in the moment work are there other drinks that you can think of that could be sandbagged? And by the way, I was not familiar with the term sandbagging. I love it. Is it it's it's a restaurant industry thing of like making stuff in advance? <laughs> I don't know. I'm not sure where sandbagging came from. I think it's a, I think I picked it up in in restaurants. I worked for Momofuku for 9 years, so it probably most likely came from that. It's one chef, you know, over the years I mentioned it, but sandbagging is at least the term I use for it. I made this um 
Boulevardier, which is a kind of like a Negroni riff with like sweet vermouth and whiskey and and um, like some kind of Italian uh, digestive uh, liqueur, like a Campari or something. Uh, and so I infused Averna, which is a Sicilian Amaro, uh, with sesame, kind of giving a savory note to the drink and then also adding a pineapple liqueur. So you're kind of getting this like between like a digestive and a sort of, you know, normal kind of like quote unquote cocktail. And I, I, I the way I wrote it was that you can prepare all of this in advance, like you can do it like two days in advance and just throw it in the fridge and you're done. And then you, at the time when you need it, you just go and pour. You're just like, boom. And even like the special, the extra special part of it, of like infusing in the the black sesame, it sounds so fancy, but it happens in advance. It's actually pretty simple and it makes it completely different and it gets everybody talking. Yeah. Hannah, we should talk leftovers because your contribution to the residence giving menu that everybody worked on together was brilliant. It was a, a use of leftovers that I never would have thought of. And it sounds so good. Would you mind describing that? And also if you just have other leftovers ideas or philosophies? Yeah, sure. I mean, um, it's uh, the actual recipe I developed um, was for Thanksgiving leftovers dumplings um, or like Hanetsuki gyoza. So basically they're just, uh, you know, dumplings um, cooked with a, a skirt, like a starchy skirt, kind of what you might see in an izakaya. And um, the skirt part is of course, totally optional, but you know, if you're at home, like why not give it a try? It looks so fancy and fun. Um, and it's actually very easy to do if you have a, a nonstick pan. Um, but yeah, I mean, who doesn't love dumplings, number one. And um, I, like we love Thanksgiving leftovers, period. Like we'll just eat leftovers as is intended to be um, enjoyed or, you know, between two slices of bread. But um, yeah, I think um, since uh, my daughter was a, a baby and we started just doing more low-key Thanksgivings at home, um, I the, the day after Thanksgiving, I'm usually craving Asian food. So, or, you know, just a different palate. Um, mm. And and so, um by marrying like leftover dark meat with some mashed potato and um, like a cabbage element, in this case, Brussels sprouts, you're kind of still like adhering to what like dumplings are usually made of. Maybe not the mashed potato, that's a little more in the pierogi territory, um, but anything encased in like a small dough wrapper and then, um, you know, coupled with like the Asian aromatics that help, you know, bridge make the culinary bridge over to um, Dumplingville um, as well as a dipping sauce. It just, you can still make use of all those great leftovers in a new way. Um, and it's, you know, more of a snacky portion. So you're not like having another full meal. Um, you can have a cold beer or a cold um, uh, drink of your choice. And um, yeah, it's, it's no food waste, um, just different and, and tasty. And another fun thing to do with whoever is milling around, you know, well, yeah, <laughs> not cooking a Thanksgiving feast that day. Yeah, that's a good point um, that you bring up because obviously dumplings, it's such a social um, uh, thing to make. And if you have some like uh, lingering friends or family around, the task is much easier. It goes by much faster and um, you can also freeze them and eat them in the ensuing days or weeks to come. You can, you know, uh, have your guests take some home with them. Um, you know, it's just really flexible and fun. And, you know, you can have your, 
a little baby or toddler on your lap and they can kind of press along the edges too. It's uh, yeah, it's fun and interactive for, for anyone who's still around. Another thing that we have been um, enjoying in recent Thanksgivings or recent post-Thanksgiving days is like a, I would say like a Thanksgiving laksa uh, noodle soup, if you will. Mm. So it's just like the, again, with the leftover dark meat and some um, fresh egg noodles and in like a nice curry noodle soup. Ooh. It's just another brighter, it's just a different way to approach Thanksgiving leftovers. And again, I'm always down for noodles of any <laughs> persuasion. So yeah, with like a big squeeze of lime juice, it really kind of wakes up that palate after all that um, heavy, more traditional food. Do you have like a go-to, um, like do you do the Thanksgiving leftover sandwich kind of thing? Absolutely. Um and yeah, I mean, normally we're just reheating leftovers on a plate mm -hmm. um, or, you know, putting it between uh, two slices of bread, but um, you can only get so much of that before your uh, palate gets a little tired. So that's where like the dumplings and the noodle soups have uh, emerged. We were just filming a video for the the Genius Recipe that's going to come out this week that this podcast is airing. And it was, it's a rerun. It's um, an old favorite for using leftover mashed potatoes. Um, from Burt Green uh, called Fritera. And Ooh. as we were talking about it, I was like, you know, this is, it's a great recipe. It's fresh. It's got a bunch of um, blanched scallions in to like lighten up the the potato cakes, um, which it just adds so much sweetness. And it's nice to like lean on scallions as a green vegetable. Um, but at the same time, I was like, I don't, this is not about making mashed potatoes better. Um, like, you know, I, I really didn't want to complain about leftover mashed potatoes and and my husband piped up as we were filming and was like that's my favorite leftover like don't don't yeah. you go knocking leftover mashed potatoes my husband's too mm -hmm. it's something about it like uh, whether it's boxed homemade mm -hmm. it's just like it's comfort food you know the fluffiness the creamy the way you can add to it if you want with like a little butter a little I don't know sour cream or chive um yeah it's Fantastic. I love mashed potatoes. I also like to use cauliflower. Um, like mix that up a bit with, um, oh my goodness, there's this seasoning and it's it's olive oil. I use the ras al hanout spice, but you can use many different spices. Um, there's some garlic that's in there. Some people use the tar. Mix all that up. You would um, kind of like saute it for a bit and then with the cauliflower, you would puree that and then you pour this mixture over it and squeeze some lime juice there and you can put garnish if you want. It is so delicious. I don't know what it is. I'm just like, oh, shoveling it down. Yeah. And I feel less full than with mashed potatoes, but um, still, there's something about mashed potatoes that can't be beat. <laughs> A nice blank canvas. Another great leftover idea for mashed potatoes could be just like croquettes. And you can just like tuck in like an, an, an assortment of anything you have left over meats, vegetables, whatever, like into the uh, mashed potato ball and then um, cover it with some panko or breadcrumbs and give it a little fry. It's not light, but it's it'll be like a nice textural, um, you know, uh, change from like the soft, uh, the soft mashed potato, which you'll still get after you get past the crunch. And I love that it works with whatever leftovers you have too. Like if you have yeah. a lot of, of leftover roasted vegetables or turkey or whatever, and they can all be kind of 
they could you could keep them separate if if you don't want someone like a vegetarian stumbling on a piece of turkey or something but you could also just have the surprise of whatever's going to be inside yeah sounds up my alley <laughs> it's it is really good and i love too the story that um in in burt green's cookbook when he wrote about it he said he he got um the recipe in israel he was in a cab um and like every stoplight that he the cab driver would like relay more of the recipe to him um and i've really never seen that recipe anywhere else at least online I, it may be in other cookbooks um but i've never seen that recipe in that form anywhere else so it's it's great that he was in that cab at that time and could share it with us oh i love that story yeah I feel like I need to hear more about this cranberry side plate too. I feel like we like we glanced on it earlier. Does everyone have a side plate of cranberry sauce? Do you just get your own little side plate? I do like sometimes I will, you know, put it next to my uh, sweet potatoes and enjoy that together. But it's just a small little saucer, basically, that's next to my, my cup or my plate. I can have all of my hot foods here. And then in between the bites, I just get this nice bit of, you know, cold fruit. Um, and I started it just because mostly my sister never wanted her food to touch. I was like, all right, we'll have separate plates. And now that she barely eats cranberry sauce, it's just me with my little plate. <laughs> <laughs> you know what, though, that also helps solve. Um, I just remembered, you know, when you're piling on the leftovers and you want to go like microwave your plate, getting the levels right with the cranberry sauce, mm-hmm. that would kind of solve that because I, I mean, maybe some people like to microwave their leftover cranberry sauce, but I I also like to keep it kind of cold on the side. So yeah. but the problem is always like you have to choose the right amount. Like if you want to go back for seconds and then you have your cranberry sauce on your plate, like it's right. You know, it's not the hugest problem, but you can keep it a little bit more pristine and like you can, you got it. That's it. There's no question. I don't have to slide the cranberry sauce off to reheat the plate. It has its own little home. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Another saucer. Cranberry <laughs> sauce doesn't get enough to do. It, it really just, it needs its flowers. <laughs> thanks for listening. And my thanks to all of my guests this week. Three of our illustrious residents at Food 52. Nicole Crowder, a resident design whiz. Hannah Osbrink, a resident dinner wrangler. And John DeBerry, a resident at Drinks 52. You can follow all of them at the links in our show notes. This week's show was put together by Cora Lee, Amy Schuster, and Emily Hanhan. If you discover something genius over the holidays, I would always love to hear from you at genius at food52.com. Or you can tag me at McGlorious on Instagram. And if you like the Genius Recipe Tapes and the Food 52 Podcast Network, the number one thing that you can do to support us and to help other people find the show is to take a moment to leave us a five-star rating or review. Or send this episode to someone who needs to know that the pie or stuffing or gravy that they think they messed up was actually one of the highlights of the meal. Thanks so much. Talk to you next week. Mm